Davy, Davy Crockett, the king of the wild frontier. Born on a mountaintop in Tennessee, the greenest state in the land of the free. Raised in the woods so they knew every tree, and killed him a bar when he was only three. Davy, Davy Crockett, the king of the wild frontier. Single-handed through the Indian War Till the creeks is whipped and peace was in store And while he was handling his risky chore He made himself a legend forevermore Davy, Davy Crockett, the king of the wild frontier Hello and welcome to Broadway Radios This week on Broadway for Sunday, January 14th, 2024 My name is James Marino and in the broadcast today we have Michael Portantier Michael's a theater reviewer and essayist. He's the founder and editor of castalbumreviews.com. He is also a theatrical photographer whose photos have appeared in the New York Times and other major publications. You could see his photography work at followspotphoto.com. Hello, Michael. Hello. Hello. And you are just merely oh, 11 days away. See that math in my head I did. Thursday, January 25th at 7 p.m. You have uh, Jerry Orbach's broadway at 54 below how's that going yes going well ticket sales are going really well um i have a little bit of news we we're adding a song to the program mm. uh and that song uh is uh, of all things i won't send roses from mac and mabel and the reason we're adding it is uh we have a new cast member patrick michael wickham and i wanted to give him something else to do as a solo and then it occurred to me that well first of all jerry orbach had been approached uh very seriously about starring in mac and mabel before they went to robert preston uh jerry was so popular um at you know in the 60s and 70s on broadway that he was offered lots of stuff that uh, or at least considered for roles that he wound up not doing for one reason or another. Um, another famous example is he was up for the role of Starbuck in 110 in the Shade, uh, based on The Rainmaker, uh, which makes perfect sense because the score for that show is by Tom Jones and Harvey Schmidt, who also wrote The Fantastics. And so they, you know, they certainly knew about Jerry and they really really liked him. Uh, but yeah, uh, and apparently the reason that um, Jerry did not wind up being in Mac and Mabel was because right around the same time he was offered another show and he decided to go with the other show. Um, and then as it turned out, the other show was delayed. And so he could have theoretically been able to do both, especially because Mac and Mabel, um, turned out to be a flop that only ran for a few months. Um, but the other show was Chicago. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's how things worked out there. Uh, so we decided to include this song as a might have been, but also Jerry did wind up singing "I Won't Send Roses" many years later in a benefit uh, concert performance that I saw. Uh, so I thought that that was more than enough justification to add that beautiful song, that beautiful Jerry Herman song, to our show, and so that's what we've done. That's great. And for uh, a reminder for those of you who are in Iowa under 14 feet of snow or something like that. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> my God, those storms coming through. Mm. You know, thank goodness they've missed New York. New York, we've just had this like tremendous amount of rain, but thank goodness no huge snow. But if you are stuck and can't get to the Big Apple to 54 below, even if you're on 55th Street and not on 54th Street and you want to see it, you can get to the live stream. Uh, and we have a link in the show notes to be able to watch the live stream. That's uh, Thursday, January 25th at 7 p.m. Yes. So uh, check, check out the uh, check out the show notes for the link and all those that great Jerry Orbach show that had just wonderful word of mouth uh, when you did it last time yes so michael thank you for putting those things together that's awesome oh you're welcome (laughs) so uh peter is uh i if i remember this correctly he's in philadelphia giving a speech of some sort so uh so he is away this week but we did pre-record the brain teaser so that will be coming up a little bit later 
uh, were last week's answer and the new one coming up this week. And uh, Peter was uh, Peter uh, said that we got a lot of right answers on last week's brain teaser, so he doubled down and gave you an even harder one this week. So stay <laughs> tuned. For, stay tuned for that. So, uh, Michael, this week you got a chance to see the uh, 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 prayer for the French Republic. So uh, tell us, is is this your second visit to it? Did you see it off-Broadway? I did. I did. And the interesting news here is that I enjoyed it far more this time than off-Broadway, where, to be completely honest, I had to struggle to stay awake. Um, I remember... Um, just for scheduling reasons, I never reported on it uh, for Broadway radio when I saw the show off-Broadway. And I remember Peter had given it a rave review. And in fact, the show went on to win the uh, both the 2022 Drama Desk and Outer Critics Circle Awards for Best New Off-Broadway Play. Uh, so obviously, I was in the minority there, but that didn't change my opinion. I just I I fought to stay awake through that. Um, I don't know. Maybe I maybe I was tired. Maybe I had a bad night before. I don't know wh what it was. I, it seemed to me that it just was really not a very good play. Um, very 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 talky and also very long. A full three hours with two intermissions. Um, so those are the negatives. But um, for whatever reason, I just. This time it held my interest much, much more. There are some new cast members. Um, perhaps that contributed partly to uh, me liking it so much more this time. And 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 uh, despite what flaws I recognize in it this time, I, I was not bored. I, I can't think of a, really a moment when I thought, oh, God, you know, please get on with it. Um, so that... The, the, it's so interesting uh, to me that my reaction is so much better here. Uh, one of the new cast members uh, that I must mention uh, in a pivotal role is Arya Shagasemi in the role of Daniel Benemu. Uh, and I think that maybe his performance alone was enough to really elevate this for me because I, I did not enjoy the performance of the previous actor in that role and as i say it is a somewhat pivotal role uh, but we have other wonderful wonderful people here we have nancy robinette whom i've mentioned before i've seen her in countless shows in the dc area she's a real fixture down there a very very highly respected uh older actress down there um but this is only her i think second uh appearance in new york uh she was also in the curious incident of the dog in the nighttime hmm. um and uh her playing her husband is daniel oreskes another one of my absolute favorite actors uh both of them by the way along with ari brand and ethan halberfield appear in the 1944-1946 scenes <clears throat> of this play which to make a long long story short is about a family um over the period of well we followed them basically from 1944 through night through 2017 but with a you know a huge break in the middle uh, we don't follow them from year to year um so we see some of the family uh during the the final days of the war and the aftermath of World War II. And then we see the rest of them in more or less modern day, 2016, 2017, um, where the, you know, the topics of discussion include um, the recent American pre presidential election uh, and how that ties in with um, this horrible anti-Semitism that these uh this family that which lives in Paris, uh, they sell pianos. They have a, a a business for hundreds of years selling very you know very high end, beautiful works of art pianos. Um, uh, but they but they uh, are experiencing along with so many other Jews um, a, a horrible, ter horrific. Uh, very, very, very 
frightening rise in anti-Semitism. So the big question of the play is, um, is this family, the, the uh, Ben Amu family, uh, are they going to stay in Paris where they have lived all their lives and where their ancestors have lived all their lives? Or are they going to go to someplace, quote unquote, safer? And if so, where can they go that actually is safer? Um, of course, Israel is discussed as a uh, as a <laughs> as a possibility, but needless mm. to say, that yeah. has its own issues. Um, and by the way, uh, just quickly, I think that there have been some maybe minor revisions in the play in the text of the play to reflect what has happened very recently in Gaza and Palestine. Uh, but I, I'm not sure about that. And I think there was some of that content there previously. Uh, but it's just uh, when you, when you go, if you go see this play, you will be shocked at how, uh, how timely it is. Uh, and, sounds seems almost like it could have been written yesterday um so uh that that's the thing we we see the current family in the present day just struggling with uh that question as to whether they should stay or leave and there's much discussion discussion of um um well you know how of making a show of one's religion or not uh, the reason um the event that happens at the very beginning of the play is that Daniel Benamou, uh, played by Arya Shagasemi, has been attacked um, uh, in the, I believe they say, in the subway uh, for being a Jew. And this really, um, obviously, uh, tremendously upsets the family. And that's what sets them thinking that maybe they should leave that along with other events that have happened recently. So they're struggling with that, um, those, those questions. And then we see um, the characters in 1944 to 1946 for historical um, context. Uh, the woman uh, or Nancy Robinette's character is um, the grandmother of one of the, uh, one of the, people we see in the present day and um the we also see one character uh, as both a, a 15 year old boy in the 1940s scenes uh, that's young pierre solomon played by ethan halberfield um and then as a much much older uh man in the in the more or less present day scenes where he's played by Richard Mazur. Um, and I like the fact that those two uh, characters that we saw them at two different ages uh, were included in the play. Cause I thought it really helped give it a, 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 a definite feeling of historical context. And it made it very moving uh, to see the same character at two different ages uh, and all that happens in between uh, that we know about that they don't know about. Um, other than that, though, I thought that actually that, um, that the 1940s scenes might've been cut uh, because while they did add to the historical context thing, I don't think they added enough to justify all the extra length. As I say, the play is a full three hours with two intermissions, and I think it did not need to be quite that long. So that's something um, that I would still recognize as a flaw in the play, and I suppose maybe that's why I partly why I reacted so badly to it off-Broadway. Um, but other than that... Um, Really, really interesting uh, discussions uh, among all these discussions in the play uh, by a spectacular cast: Betsy Adam, Niall Nasser, Francis Benamou. Uh, um, as we think, I think we mentioned when this was off Broadway, one of the characters' uh, surnames is uh, well, several of the characters' some named surnames is the same as the surname of one of the actors francis benamu is the actor and the uh characters include elodie benamu daniel benamu charles benamu uh so that's interesting and i wonder if that was done on purpose um uh also you know who's in this and i loved seeing him 
on stage. Uh, and I told him that when I saw him afterwards at Joe Allen, after we left the theater and he was, uh, there, uh, at Joe Allen. Uh, it's Anthony Edwards mm-hmm. who, you know, oh, I mean, it, it's so great for me having just recently rewatched him in top gun, um, mm-hmm. to, to be doing the stage work. And he has done quite a bit of stage work recently in New York and elsewhere. Uh, and not just recently either. So I, I really thanked him for, you know, coming back to the stage because I, I think people really enjoy seeing him. And that was that was terrific. Um, Molly Ranson plays Molly, <laughs> um, an, an American cousin of the family. And uh, as I mentioned, Richard Mazur as um, Pierre Solomon. Uh, and then we also have Nancy Robinette. Daniel Areskis, Ari Brand, and Ethan Halberfield. So um, I would recommend the play now, which I would not have off-Broadway. I um, do think there are there are some other issues other than I mentioned. I think the construction is a little is uh, is not very good in some sections there are a few scenes that seem to peter out rather than really end and the audience didn't know whether they should applaud or not because of the way the scenes ended um and uh as i said i think that the 1940s characters might have been eliminated or perhaps um less time spent with them but i really uh enjoyed seeing it because i love um i actually like it when i uh when i have a a different reaction to a a, a show uh, um after seeing it on a, on a second occasion mm-hmm. because um i mean in a way it's confusing but it 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 just shows that uh so many things go into our experience of a of a play or a musical and uh that that hel- helps account for the fact that uh some people can see even the same performance and have wildly differing reactions if i had uh reviewed this back when it was off broadway when peter reviewed it i would have disagreed with him strongly uh but now no uh so uh so that's my that's my report on this. This is yet another uh, play or musical uh, that we have seen recently that deals with anti-Semitism, uh, which is certainly a, a worthy, worthy, worthy topic. Um, so if you think you would like to see yet another play about that, or if you have missed any of the others, um, like Leopold Stadt and... Uh, Harmony, uh, to name only two. Uh, here's your chance. Uh, so I have a few uh, comments for you. Okay. Um, uh, Anthony Edwards, we should uh, we should see if we can try to get him on to talk about because he has had such an interesting five years with uh, him stepping into uh, a girl from the North Country. Um, yeah, and that was another uh, one. Yeah. And coming into French Republic and things, uh, that, you know, he's, he's taking over a role that I don't think that he did off Broadway. Do you? No. Okay. And in fact, I, I said that to him at, at Joe Allen. I said, I, I know you weren't in it off Broadway. How did you become involved? And he said, Cromer asked me. <laughs> Cromer being David Cromer, mm. uh, who Cromer's it. another one we got to get on. <laughs> yeah. He's been, He's talked to Matt Tamanini a few times on some of the other shows uh, yeah. for Broadway Radio, but we should uh, get back to Kramer. He's uh, uh, see if he'll get up on a Sunday morning. Sunday morning is usually the hardest challenge. <laughs> yes. uh, Rob Johnson in our chat room brings up that he did Children of a Lesser God revival as well. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and, he, and I, his point was when Cromer calls, you you go. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. It, it totally makes sense. But and also, other- but also, um, uh, he said, um, Anthony said he really, really loves the work of this playwright, Joshua Harmon. Mm. So, uh, the uh, other thing I was going to talk about was that, uh, and we had a queued up, um, 
a few weeks in a row, we're going to talk about Jesse Green's article in the New York Times about uh, his review of Appropriate, that he didn't like it when he first saw it and the second time he saw it, similar to what you're saying right now. Yeah, although he um, alluded or more than alluded in that review to the fact, I think he described them as major changes or massive changes, uh, I guess he was informed of that or did the research that uh, the playwright, Brandon Jacobs Jenkins, mm-hmm. Brandon Jenkins, Jenkins yeah, yeah uh, had had done major rewrites. Um, so that would certainly, you know, account for a very different reaction. But I, I saw it off Broadway and I liked it, but I don't have a clear enough memory of it that I'm going to be able to know when I see it again on Broadway, how much was changed. Mm. Yeah, that's uh, it's interesting how uh, uh, my view on on shows, and I'm sure other people who are listening as well, have had some sort of uh, experience like this where you see a show and either sometimes you'll see a show and you'll love it and then you go back and revisit it 10 years later 15 years later and you're like mm-hmm. what was i thinking you know <laughs> sometimes you're in a different place in well i mean you are in a different place in your life but it could be that or it just it could be uh, you know the the timing the pacing it could be the direction mm-hmm. it could be uh, one or two performances um it's fa- that's what makes theater so fascinating yeah. So uh, you also got a chance to get over to the Dower Roth Theater, the DR2, to see All the Devils Are Here, Patrick yes. Page's uh, show. So tell us about this. Well, I was very late to this. I uh, initially had to <clears throat> cancel, I think, due to illness some months back. Uh, but I had continued to hear such great things about it that I thought, I really have to try to get down there. And now um, it, it has been extended uh, more than once, I believe. And it's now uh, scheduled to go through February 25th. Um, so you have plenty of time to still see it if you can. And I highly recommend it. It's All the Devils Are Here, How Shakespeare Invented the Villain, created and performed by Patrick Page and directed by Simon Godwin. Um, and it is a one person show, uh, as you might imagine, and really fascinating the way Patrick Page, who is one of our best actors, uh, really explores the concept of the villain, which he, he contends. And, and I'm sure many people would agree with him. Uh, the, that there really were no villains as such uh, depicted on stage before Shakespeare. Uh, he said, that, you know, there were characters who were scoundrels and and uh, things like that, but n- not anyone who would be what we would classify as a an out and out villain. But the other thing that's so interesting is he he he's quick to point out that many of the characters in Shakespeare are very, very complex. And sometimes they seem to be villains at the beginning of the play. And then, then they are not, uh, they, they go through some kind of transformation and they're not so much at the end or vice versa. Um, so Patrick goes through, uh, he, he, speaks many speeches as you might imagine directly from Shakespeare. Uh, but also, uh, comments on on the characters and and explains uh, how they evolved and how uh, they function as a villain or villainous or not. Uh, he opens with Lady Macbeth, um, Lady Macbeth's first monologue, uh, the "unsex me here" <laughs> uh, monologue, and that is the only uh, female villain who is present uh, represented in the show. Uh, although he mentions others like uh, Goneril and Reagan in King Lear. Uh, mm-hmm. But there again, he, uh, and actually someone asked this question. Uh, there's a wonderful Q&A, I, I think after each performance. Uh, and someone asked about Goneril and Reagan, and he says, well, you know, you have to look at the situation from 
the point of view of those characters. They have just watched King Lear disown the their sister, um, the daughter whom he loves more than any, because she has refused to um, express her love for him in a way that he thinks is uh, good enough. Uh, and he's literally disowned her and, and exiled her, basically. Uh, so, uh, and now he's given up his kingdom, but he still insists uh, that there be a hundred knights um, in his retinue at all times, you know, knights like with weapons. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, uh, and so when Goneril and Reagan initially uh, want to stay as far away from king lear as possible they're really not necessarily doing anything that's uh that's so horrible and so hard to imagine why they would be behaving that way now later on um the villainy really takes hold as they start to become bloodthirsty uh grasping uh people just trying to hold on to power at any price but um i i just this this show is full of that kind of detail uh, and really intelligent observations about all of these characters. Um, he also uh, he goes through Edmund from, from King Lear, of course, Richard III, and then um, several characters who, you know, might have villainous aspects, but they're so complicated that it would be wrong to call them sheer villains. And they include Prospero, Shylock, uh, Malvolio, um, and etc. cetera. Uh, so, uh, so this really was a terrific show. I'm glad for its success. I'm glad it's been extended. The fact that a one-person show uh, of someone who is not a, a major movie star or anything like that um, about Shakespeare's villains has been extended and is still running and doing so well, I, I think that's a testament to how good it is. Uh, I do think that they have wisely realized that this is a wonderful show for school groups. Because um, Patrick is so magnetic on stage, and he does such a wonderful job with the Shakespearean verse, and and also with the the explications of the characters, that uh, I I you know I can't see anyone being bored by it, even you know <laughs> high school students with limited um, attention spans. <laughs> uh, so I I'm. Sorry I got to this so late, but the point is that I did get to it and and very, very glad about that. And I highly, highly recommend it. It's at the DR2 Theater uh, on 15th Street. Yeah, so they say, uh, don't focus that you're late to the party. Let's celebrate that you are at the party. Exactly. You know? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, so, uh, I mean, Patrick is, uh, I mean... He's such an interesting performer. He, I, I forget how deep his resume is. Uh, yes. I, 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 you know, just glancing at IBDB, he has, uh, 13 Broadway shows and, you know, uh, and all the other stuff that he does. And then, you know, he's, he's done what they say to do if, uh, you know, uh, cre- you know, create your own show. And this is something that he's always been, he's always been, you know, famous for the villain type of look and voice that he has. His voice is just amazing. At one point, and, he did, uh, he did mention in passing the Green Goblin. Mm. <laughs> it's it's Spider Man the musical. Yeah. Uh, he didn't might, spend a lot might, of time on it, but, yeah. you know. Some might say that the Green Goblin was not the worst villain in Spider-Man the Musical. So. Yes, and, yeah, and I think I know who you're referring to. George Santos, the producer of Spider-Man the Musical. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, probably selfies of uh, George Santos posted of him photoshopped in with Patrick somewhere, you know. Mm. <laughs> so... uh 
all the villains is, uh, as Michael pointed out, uh, it's been extended a number of times, playing through February 25th, 2024. I suspect that that won't be its only extension. I would imagine it's going to, uh, it's going to keep on extending there. They've been doing, uh, school groups and education groups. Uh, right. and that seems like a perfect thing for, uh, for all the devils. It's a, it's a great fit there. So, well, but also, uh, of course he could bring it elsewhere. And in fact, I think, he, I think he did it in DC before he did it here. So, uh, we will have a link to All the Devils Are Here in the show notes if you want to go check that out and a link to Patrick Page's IBDB and his personal website, things like that, uh, in the show notes. So go check that out. We've had quite a week of news, information, everything coming our way, uh, the thing that excited me the most, I don't know if it'll excite, excite you the most, Michael, but uh, <laughs> an announcement that uh, Prince's uh, Purple Rain album is going to get some sort of stage adaptation <laughs> and that's coming to Broadway. I was a huge fan of Prince and the Purple Rain album. Michael, do you have any experience with uh, this music? Zero. Zero. Well, I tell you, Michael, I think that uh, I think you're going to, if they do this right, and it sounds like they have a quite a, a team of people put together to, to work on this, I think that you're going to really like it. I don't think it'll be a jukebox, a jukebox musical. Well, so. I, I'm I'm such a pop ignoramus, as I've always said. Um, does the album tell a story? Uh, or Well, there's, it's an album and a movie, or it's just yeah. a movie? Uh, both. Well, all right. So the, obviously, the mo- I assume the movie tells the story. The movie was uh, uh, the movie was not my favorite. Okay. <laughs> the story, the story in the movie was okay, not my favorite. And so uh, I don't know if they're gonna follow that track or do something else there. Right. But uh, uh, Brandon Jacobs Jen- uh, Jacobs Jenkins is uh, is writing the book. Uh, right. Oh, it's, yeah. It's based upon the movie. So I, you know, it's, it's so hard with, uh, to know what you're going to end up with these days because, you know, we all thought that, uh, the Michael, uh, the Michael Jackson, MJ, the musical was going to be such a different thing that, that ended up what ended up coming to Broadway. Right. Just that, uh, very, short period of time in michael jackson's uh life yes so i don't know you know how they're going to adapt the film here if we're going to have a a young prince an older prince a middle prince you know <laughs> right. uh, so uh these are are but they are you know said out of the gate that they're heading for broadway and they have no time frame kind of uh based around it so we have to just wait and see how it goes. And, uh, but Roundabout also announced uh, their 2024-25 season, uh, including Pirates of Penzance. What do you think of that? Well, you know what? I completely missed that. When did that happen? Oh, you missed that? I somehow... Yeah. No, I so I, yeah. Roundabout is doing uh, their 2024-2025 season. Let me pull up their press release for this, and they're doing uh, David Henry Wong's uh, Yellow Face. They're doing oh, wow. English. They're doing Pirates of Benzance, uh, and so Pirates of Benzance starring. Ramin Karamlu as <laughs> the, pirate. the Pirate King. Okay. And David Hyde Pierce as the Major General. So <laughs> I can't wait. I think this is going to be like so much fun. I, I really can't wait for this. I think this is going to be a blast. Uh, so yeah, this is going to be something. Plus, you have oh, and Daniel uh, Day Kim is in uh, Yellow Face. Yes, mm-hmm. 
So, uh, so, and it, uh, so roundabout theater is really, uh, pulled the gloves off for this, uh, this new season. I think it's, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. It's going to be dramatic. It's going to be everything that you'd like to see. And I love Gilbert, Gilbert Sullivan. So good to see. Now they, uh, I know that this might raise your hackles a bit, but they say that they're going to reinterpret Gilbert Sullivan a little with a, was it a new character uh, that they are, that's going to explain the situation or the jokes or something. I'm not sure how they're going to do it, but these are all really high, highly qualified people. So also they're describing it as a, a jazz and blues reimagining of, uh, the classic comedy. That's yes, they, that's yeah. right. So, uh, so we'll have to see how that how that all shakes out. But these are all really highly qualified people. So I'm not too worried about it. I'm more curious than worried about it. And Scott Ellis is going to direct, and Warren Carlyle is going to do the choreography. So, and so. it says, "Oh yeah, Rupert Holmes provides a newly adapted script." That's interesting. Hmm. That is interesting. Yeah, and that's the the adaptation uh, that you just alluded to, plus the new character that uh, people are talking about. Hmm. Uh, Completely missed that announcement somehow. Yeah. <laughs> There's a play called Patriots coming from the West End that's uh, heading our way uh, that is announced for Broadway in 2024 and also towards the end of the week we had the announcement that uh, Broadway Records founder Van Dean launched another uh, record label called Center Stage Uh, Michael what do you know about this? Oh I know nothing I just um I was uh, I wasn't sure what was going on because actually our friend Robbie Roselle, who you know who's worked for Broadway mm-hmm. Records for years, he first announced uh, he just posted something like I'm moving on, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it's been great and blah blah blah. And I thought I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know if he'd lost mm-hmm. his job or if he'd gotten another job and was going. But then, and then like the next day, uh, <laughs> it uh, was posted that, that he and Van Dean are, are staying together uh, in this new uh, label called Broad- Broadway center stage. Uh, Broadway center. Broad- yes. No center stage records. Same, I'm center stage records. Yeah. 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 Broadway mm-hmm. center stage is something else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, the team uh, is sticking together to bring us some more stuff. Plus, they have some sort of deal with Broadway Records where they're going to manage yes. two, two-thirds of the Broadway Records back catalog and things like that. So it seems like it's, uh, it, it's, uh, it's a pivot and evolution of, of – uh, uh, of Van Dean and Robbie's uh, careers and just uh, changing a little bit of focus and continuing to bring us, you know, just amazing stuff. And we have to try to get Van and and, Bro- and Robbie on to tell us more about this and how it's going to, how it's going to work out because it's, it's really a, uh, you know, I don't know what we would do without cast recordings. You know, and these are people that are keeping all these cast recordings alive. And I think one of the articles, uh, I don't think it named them, but it intimated that they have a lot of new albums coming up. Mm. So keep your ears and eyes posted. Peeled. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then uh, starting tomorrow, um, the first Broadway week starts, you know, Broadway week is multiple weeks a year. So, (laughs) uh, the first of Broadway week is, uh, starts tomorrow. And for lots of folks, that means a great opportunity to get, um, to get good, uh, and half price tickets or discounted tickets to see lots of Broadway shows, 
bring a friend, bring a loved one, uh, bring a loved one that's a friend or a friend that's a loved one, all of them. Uh, so uh, it's a combination of uh, the New York City uh, Tourism Bureau and the Broadway League trying to, um, you know, let people know that you can stay in New York and uh, and see some great stuff. The New Yorkers don't have to leave New York in order to have a great time. So Broadway Week is here. So check that out. We'll have a link to that in the show notes as well. Today, by the way, is the last, or is or was, depending on what time you hear this, mm-hmm. the the last opportunity to see Josh Groban and Annalie Ashford and Sweeney Todd. And a friend of mine is in from out of town. He's been here for a while, and he was ready to like jump off a building because he had won the lottery um, a few mm. weeks ago, but he slept through it. <gasps> Oh no. So he didn't so he didn't get it. But then are you ready? He won again yesterday and he went and he saw it. Wow. Like like three performances before the final one. Thank God he's, he didn't. he's the world's biggest Josh Groban fan, so he was in heaven. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, thank goodness he didn't win the appropriate lottery. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Bad what happened to there. appropriate? They cancel uh, what I believe is the second performance since they've s- started. Yeah, they canceled. Be- uh, Sarah Paulson is out with COVID, uh, from what I read in the reports. Uh, and so they uh, had to cancel, and hopefully uh, everybody's getting healthy. But it seems like everybody in New York City is a little bit sick these days. So uh, everybody uh, <clears throat> you might not, might not want to hear this, but... Put a mask on if you're in the subway or in public or something like that. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. And you know what? I mean, I'm no doctor, but I'm convinced that a lot of it is just the crazy um, changes in temperature from one day to the next. Uh, you know, I I don't think that's ever good because uh, it really screws up people's bodies and immune systems i think uh so that on top of the COVID still going around and uh the flu of course and then uh that other what, what is it uh the respiratory RSA. thing yeah R- rsv yes. yeah. yeah 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 so i i actually have rsv right now um, oh you do yeah yeah i do right now and i'm just on the tail end of it i think that i'm getting better but uh, I've been, you know, not, I've been home all week. So, uh, yeah. So that wraps it up for today. Before we get on to our brain teaser with Peter and our musical moment, I want to remind everybody that you can subscribe to these broadcasts by going to the front page of broadwayvideo.com. There's a subscribe link. That way, each and every time we have a new episode of This Week on Broadway, be automatically downloaded to Apple Podcast View. Of course, you don't have to listen to us on Apple Podcasts. There's many ways to get us. Uh, Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Broadway Radio is one way to get our stuff early. And you can get stuff from Jan Simpson a week early. So Jan Simpson was actually going to join us today, but she's out sick as well. She was actually going to join us sick, but then she lost her voice. And so no voice is bad for radio. So Jan wasn't able to join us this week, but her new episode of All the Drama is out. And, you know, you should uh, you should check that out. Um, her uh, Patreon version of All the Drama came out. Uh, a week ago, so Patreon listeners got to see that early, but um, Broadway Radio uh, listeners uh, listened to Idiot's Delight. That's the new episode of All the Drama, where uh, Robert E. Sherwood's 1936 Pulitzer Prize winner, uh, uh, Jan talked about that, and the fact that Robert E. Sherwood is one of the uh, most awarded Pulitzer Prize winners, uh, and a lot of people don't realize that. So Jan has that out in all the drama, and you can get that at patreon.com slash Broadway Radio. 
Other ways to listen to us, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Pandora, Google Play, YouTube Music, anywhere that you get finer podcasts, you'll get Broadway, Broadway Radio's offerings. Contact information for Michael, for me, and for Peter can be found on the show notes at broadwayradio.com, as well as links to some of the things we've talked about today. So, Peter, do you have an answer to last week's brain teaser? In the 21st century, the 20th century musical for which he composed the score, won a Tony for Best Revival of a Musical. Exactly 10 years earlier, she appeared in a show that won a Tony for Best Revival of a Musical. No, she didn't win a Tony for it. But four years later, she did win for Best Featured Actress in a Musical. So now she does have a Tony, while he has three. His initials are an anagram of hers, and vice versa. Who are they? Well, Jason Robert Brown of the Bridges of Madison County in Parade, last season's Best Musical Revival, and Rachel Bay Jones, who appeared in Pippin, the Best Musical Revival winner of 2013, won for Dear Evan Hansen. His initials are JRB, hers are RBJ. Tony Janicki beat Paul Witte by a minute, who beat Josh Israel by two. Following them were Sean Logan, Steve Bell, Arthur Robinson, Juliet Green, Deb Popple, Brigadood, and Jack Leshner. This week's. Since so many listeners did so well with initials, let's do another brain teaser in which initials are involved. Stephen Sondheim, whose initials are SS, of course, worked with three and only three Broadway composers on musicals. One of those men, more than a decade after his collaboration with Sondheim, wrote the melody for a character who, thanks to his lyricist, had hopes that one day she'd have the initials SS2. Who's the composer, the musical, and the character? Okay, if you have an answer for that, email us at trivia at broadwayradio.com. We'll let you know if you're on the right track. Also, Peter asked me to mention that Christine Chen also got the right answer, but she answered after we had recorded the brain teaser section. So I want to include that. So, Michael, what do we have in this week's musical moment? Well, we'd like to pay tribute to Bill Hayes, who died on Friday at age 98. And he was best known for his uh, role on Days of Our Lives. Uh, that was the credit that was in all of the obits that I read. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, but he also did a great deal of theater work um, and appeared, uh, well, theater work uh, in New York and elsewhere. Uh, and he appeared in the first television adaptations of Kiss Me Kate as Bill Calhoun. Uh, mm -hmm. with Alfred Drake and Patricia Morrison, and Once Upon a Mattress as Sir Harry with Carol Burnett. Um, but if you look him up, you'll find many, many, many stage credits. Uh, the uh, And the fascinating, well, one fascinating thing about his career is that he had, in 1955, the number one hit record in America with the ballad of Davy Crockett. Mm. Uh, and it was, uh, I mean, I, depending on where you look it up, you see all different kinds of figures, but it sold millions of copies and it was the number one song at one point. And of course, the interesting thing thing there is that he was not <laughs> he was not primarily a recording artist. <laughs> um, he was a, a Broadway actor, a, a theater actor, and then a television actor. So um, that must have been quite something for him uh, to have that amazing achievement when it wasn't even really his main area of expertise. Um, so that was our opener uh, for our musical moment today, The Ballad of Davy Crockett, as recorded by Bill Hayes in 1955. And our closer is a beautiful song from Me and Juliet, No Other Love, uh, that Bill sang with Isabel Bigley, and we're including the recording from the original Broadway cast album, uh, as I'm sure many of our listeners know, the melody of No Other Love was not original to Me and Juliet. It had originally been written by Richard Rogers for the TV 
series Victory at Sea, uh, which was all about the, you know, the the victory uh, battles of the U.S. You know, during World War II. Uh, and the melody was so beautiful that Rogers didn't want to let it go. <laughs> so Oscar Hammerstein wrote lyrics to it, and it is in Me and Juliet, which uh, I would say is absolutely um, one of the lower-ranked scores of Rogers and Hammerstein in general, maybe maybe uh oh maybe only pipe dream is lower uh but i think even that's a debate uh so overall it's not a memorable score by any means but it does have this beautiful ballad uh so that is our closer no other love featuring bill hayes and isabel bigley all right so on behalf of peter felicia and michael portantier this is james marino saying thanks so much for listening to your broadway radios this week on broadway bye-bye bye no other love have i only my love for you only the dream we knew Free.